Hello and welcome to Dr. Bingo Fairmont's Management Minute. Today, Dr. Fairmont is mysteriously indisposed, so in his place, I'm Russell Clayton with my colleague here, Adam Shoemaker. Hello. Who I like to refer to as Shoe. We're coming to you from the St. Leo University Donald R. Tapia School of Business Recording Studio in sunny Tampa Bay, Florida. Shu, how are you today? I am doing great. I'm a little bit sad because it seems like 2016 has not been a good year for musicians. You are correct. And I noticed uh, right now it is, uh, when we're recording this, is April 22nd. Just heard the news yesterday about the death of Prince. Yes. Kind of young, too, only 57, which I know. is not that much older than we are. Uh, and it's not clear yet how he died. But what I wonder, I guess, based on this, and we lost David Bowie a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and Alan Rickman, Dan Haggerty, Merle Haggard. Why do we mourn these people so much? I mean, they're important cultural icons, but why is it, you know, all over social media and, oh, my gosh, and I can't go to work today, and some people are crying? Right. What does it all mean? We've never even met most of these people. You're right. I, uh, I've i never met any big-time musician uh, especially not Prince or, or, or Bowie. Uh, that said, you know, I, I'll point back to the old cliche that, that music is, you know, the soundtrack of our lives. And when these people provide that soundtrack, maybe we feel kind of close to them. And, that you know, it provides us a little bit of, uh, you know, we grieve a little bit when, when we lose somebody, like you said, that we've never met. Uh, but they're a legend. And we know that we'll no longer see them perform those songs live that's true that maybe we never would have anyway but we sort of lose that nostalgia i guess you got of it. growing up with their music or knowing about them or right experiencing what they contributed to the arts or whatever and we're not going to get that anymore who knows anyway this is not related to today's main topic which is an important uh topic uh, based on uh, the law based on yeah. the fair labor standards act and that is Upcoming changes to overtime rules. You're going to keep us out of hot water today, aren't you? I'm going to do my best. And as you know, and as, as most of our listeners might know, there are some exemptions um, for uh, the federal requirements to pay overtime to employees. And, and a couple of those are the executive, the administrative, the professional exemptions. There's some other ones, I mm-hmm. think, com- computer workers and things like that, uh, outside salespeople. Uh, but basically, the exemption usually means uh, that you don't have to get paid overtime pay if you work over a certain number of hours. And that's typically because uh, you have a lot of control over when and how your work is done. And it would be right. impossible to account for your hours. For like, example, a professor. Right. Right. You you go home, you do some grading, you're, you know, you teach class maybe six hours a day, you're doing a lot of uh, lesson planning, you're doing advising. Right. It all adds up to quite a bit, but nobody can really document exactly how many hours you're working on those things. Correct. Some weeks it might be 20, some weeks it might be 60. Right? So there's exe- exemptions that help to say we're not going to be able to figure out how to pay that person overtime. Well, here's what the Department of Labor is thinking about doing, and this may come up as soon as July 2016. Okay. Uh, is raising the minimum. Uh, salary for exempt employees. Now, exemptions don't apply if the employee in question, even if they would qualify for one of those exemptions, 
if they make less than $455 per week. Now, mm. nobody makes $450 right. per right. in a professional position, right. right? If you're a you know, cashier at McDonald's, you're not making that, but you're not a, you're not going to get the exemption anyway. Right. But if you're a, a white-collar worker, if you will, you're administrative worker, executive professional worker, you're probably going to make significantly more than that. Right. But they do want to raise this limit to $970 a week, which is actually comes to about— a $50,000 salary, which some professional workers do make. Sure. So in other words, if, if you make under this $50,000 limit, you're going to need to get paid overtime when right. you make those overtime hours. Uh, and there's one more uh, addition to that as well, which is in the past, what we called highly compensated employees mm. have always been exempt. So if you make over a hundred grand, you're making the six figures, nobody's going to be sad if you're not getting overtime, right? So you don't get overtime. Well, the DOL wants to raise that status from $100,000 a year to $122,000 a year, meaning wow. okay. more people will be eligible to make overtime pay, even if they make six figures. Right. Oh, wow. So what do you think about all that? Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Is there concern? Would you be concerned? Well, as someone who is exempt from all of this, I'm going to put in my extra hours this week and 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 not get an extra dime. Uh, now, where it would concern me is if I'm uh, a business owner yes. or if I am the, uh, the, the middle manager of, of uh, somewhere in a corporation and I'm looking at, on one hand, trying to get work done and task accomplished, projects completed. And on the other hand, I'm looking at all these workers that I have working uh, under my supervision, who may now fall into this new category, this new uh, the the reframing of the law, right, and suddenly become non-exempt employees, right. essentially, right, right. have to get paid overtime, and of course, there's pushback from the from the small employers, particularly, like you said, but large employers as well, who say, you know what, you're more than doubling what what it means to be you know, to, to not qualify for the exemption. And that means a lot more people are going to have to get paid overtime. It's going to cost yeah. us a lot more money. We're going to have to limit some other benefits that we gave them mm -hmm. in order to keep making a profit or to keep, uh, you know, in the black. And and some people are saying, you know what, state by state, that's not a realistic salary. $50,000 is a great salary to make if you live in Wyoming. Of course, you know, California, New York, or whatever. Right. That's not as relevant. But in some parts of our country, $50,000 is a great amount of money. Oh, that yeah. means a lot of people make under that amount and therefore might need to be considered for overtime pay. Right. And and I think I think you brought up a great point that if you're having to take money for extra compensation out of one pot, then that pot all of a sudden is going to have, you know, where is it coming from? Is exactly. it benefits? Do we, yep. you know, we talked about workplace wellness in a prior episode. Do we do these employers have to do away with wellness programs in order to fund this overtime and something's going to have to get cut right whether it's employees or mm. hours or other benefits right now one thing i would like to ask you shu uh because you are you're very much a uh knowledgeable expert in this area or i seem to be yeah you play one on tv uh and on a podcast what kind of you know have there been cases that have come up uh in the courts where this has been you know, where people have been awarded back wages or things like that. Absolutely. And and the reason that this is important is because if you don't follow these rules, you could just say, well, I won't even worry about it. And the government will never know. Well, we know that doesn't work. Right. right? Um, there's been tons and tons over the past, since we've had the Fair Labor Standards Act uh, in the, back in the 1930s, uh, of cases uh, of overtime that wasn't paid correctly. And, and mm. for example, in 2015, last year, the Wage and Hour Division of the Department of Labor 
uh, found in favor of a plaintiff for over 10,000 plaintiffs or 10,000 cases. Uh And that's actually down from years in the past. Okay. And the kind of amounts and and awards we're talking about in 2015, the total back wages awarded just in overtime cases, $137 million across 173,000 employees who hadn't been paid their overtime fairly. Wow. And that doesn't count. This $137 million plus doesn't count the interest that might have to be paid on those payments. Right. Uh, penalties, uh, in addition to that. And then some often they're asked to pay the attorney's fees for the plaintiff who brings this case. Right. So this could be a significant chunk of change, for some, especially for smaller companies. Yeah, it's kind of that domino effect. You know, if, you, if you're if you the the business owner, you're the manager, and this isn't accounted for, and you think everything's in the clear... And then a year or two later, uh, like you said, the government always knows it's it's going to come out and you're going to owe these fees with interest, attorney's fees, penalties. All of a sudden, you're not in the black anymore. Things aren't as you thought they were. Yeah, it's a gamble. You don't want to you don't want to try to break this law if you can help it. So what do you think Dr. Fairmont, if he were here, would tell right. us about what organizations should do with these new changes coming down the pike? Sure. I think one one thing he would advise us to do is to, first of all, just stay uh, in touch with the Department of Labor via their website, dol.gov. Absolutely. dol.gov. That's a, that's a great resource. That is a fantastic resource because right there they detail for you, first of all, what are the monetary limitations on overtime or exempt or non-exempt, and what are the different exemptions and how do you classify somebody as whether they fit that administrative or professional mm-hmm. or executive or whatever exemption. And you really need to be careful and think about your employee's status because a lot of organizations get stung because they think, oh, these people don't qualify for overtime. They're on salary. And that's not exactly how it works. Right. right? A lot of it depends on how much autonomy they have, how much ability they have to plan their own work day. And yeah. a lot of people who work, you know, a 40-hour work week, eight-hour day would seem like they'd be exempt, and they're really not. Right. It's a bit fuzzy. Exactly. Uh, and a lot. Uh, one other thing that I read that's a, a good idea is uh, to consider paying these exempt employees a little bit more to make sure that they stay exempt. So if yeah. you're concerned that they're right around that $50,000 mark, if this rule gets passed, uh, maybe give them a little bit of a raise because then they can be exempt, f- officially and formally exempt. So you're arguing for um, uh, sort of a proactive or a preemptive approach there. Exactly. So okay. if you get paid 49000 a year, you're non-exempt and you're right. going to have to take overtime. You get that little bit of a raise, you're at 51000 you're not going to be qualified or eligible for overtime anymore. Gotcha. Maybe that's a solution. And then a last resort, uh, and this isn't my favorite choice, but one of the things that a lot of organizations uh, don't let their employees do is to moonlight and mm. have a second job, in right. other words, because right. it takes away from the work you're doing at sure. your own organization. But if you're going to cut your hours or if you're going to cut your employees' opportunities for overtime, maybe you need to think about, hey, maybe we need to let you have another option. And maybe that's allowing them to moonlight. That is an option. Like you said, maybe perhaps not Dr. Fairmont's first line of defense, but a defense nonetheless. You got it. You got it. Well, that's all we've got to say for today. Uh, And we thank you so much, St. Louis University and the Donald R. Tapia School of Business. And our music comes from... Bensound.com. Thank you, Bensound. And if you guys see Dr. Fairmont, please tell him we hope he can make it to the next podcast. 